Well, good morning, everyone. It's quite cold outside. I, I'm glad that we have a place that we can worship together and just keep warm. Man, I didn't want to wake up this morning because it's so cold. <laughs> but anyways, I'm glad that you guys are here, and uh, it's a blessing to see everyone here this morning. And I hope uh, something that I'm going to share this morning, it's really dear to my heart, what um, God has put in my heart, and I really hope that it resonates with you this morning. So let me begin in a word of prayer and just allow the Spirit to work within us this morning. Lord Jesus, we give you praise and thanks. Um, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we're able to have this relationship with you through prayer. And as we go through this month of prayer and fasting, Lord, we know that there Maybe some challenges that we're facing, and maybe some burdens that we want to lift up to you, Lord. Um, maybe uh, within our families, within our workplaces, even within our church, we ask that you would uh, stir us up, prompt us by your spirit, Lord, to listen to your word. May you use me, Lord, let it be from you, not from me, um, that your spirit would flow in this place, and may you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, in 1995, there was a Toy Story. Have you guys ever seen Toy Story? Yeah, Toy Story was the first entirely computer-generated film to be released. And if also in 1995, what else happened? O.J. Simpson trial? You guys remember that? It's, it's, it's such a long time ago. I don't remember exactly. But we also remember Michael Jordan was finishing off baseball and going back to basketball again. Right? So all those things happened in 1995. Also, there's one thing that also happened in 1995. The Generation Z was born, okay? Uh, Generation Z may not be f a familiar term for you, but it's basically those who are people who are born from 1995 to 2010. So Generation Z will become the largest North American generation yet to be. So it's going to become the biggest, um, even bigger than what we see today. And there are teenagers today that are basically under 18 that fit in this category. So we'll see that. Um, maybe some of you this morning have kids under that age. And I want to bring this attention to us this morning. Uh, you know, you understand that at this age and time, the world, we see everyone on smartphones. Everyone here has a smartphone, right? So we see that in our society today. Uh, there's uh, such racial diversity that is in reality to this generation as most people have their last names other than no longer than a generic last name anymore. Now it's like pretty diverse last names that we see in Canada and North America. Um, this generation, they love to communicate where more than 70% of their communication is texting. They like to text. They don't like to call anymore. They don't like to email. They like to text. So I'm sure you have some of your young uh, kids texting you guys like, hey, mom, hey, dad, here's a text. And you're like, what are they saying? And it's like some kind of lingo. So they like to text. In fact, their phones is basically their wallet. They live on their phone, everything that they do. They have been called the screenagers, uh, not teenagers, screenagers. They love the screen. They thrive on the screen. And when you add it all up, they will spend an average of like three or five, six hours a day on their, on their phones. They'll be on TikTok, on Instagram, and all that stuff. Facebook is out of the loop now. So for those who are on Facebook, you guys are out of date. Okay, so the trend now is TikTok and Instagram and other things. I'm probably out of date too. 
But there was a recent study done two years ago found that nearly half of all Canadians aged 13 to 17 said that they were online almost constantly. Constantly. Believe it. 90% use social media as their information. Believe it or not. You already know this because you hand them your phone and your computer and ask them to fix it. Right? Sadly, they have seen pornography as it's never been readily available before. It's easily accessible to teens and young kids. One out of every four Generation Z will attend a religious service. That's a shock. One out of, uh, four out of 10 Generation Z will attend a religious service. I want to call our church this morning to have this collected attention to this generation. I want to ask you to ponder how you can encourage them, how we can fan this fame of faith to this generation, this next generation. It heartbreaks me to see what's happening to this generation. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way. How can we specifically pray for this generation if we were to make an, a, a tally of summit and their, how many teens we have, we have approximately 30 teens if they were to come all at once, if not more. For young adults, we probably have 15 to 20 if, we all come, if they all come. Children's ministry would be even more than that. That would be more than 70 plus next generation young people to choose from, to pray for by a name. Wouldn't that be great? I'm asking you to pick at least one or two or three or five or 10 or 20 or 70 names from this list to pray for. You know, George Orwell, he's a novelist. He says this, every generation imagines itself to be more intelligent than one that went before it and wiser than one that comes after it. Now, it's easy to play, get off my lawn, get off of my back to this next generation. Like, who cares? It's easy to say that. We don't understand them. Let's just move forward. But I want you to challenge you to get rid of that mentality, this tendency to think that way. I doubt I need to say this too much about our church at Summit because we're so encouraging here. We're so caring. We're so compassionate. We're, we're there for each other. We talk to each other. We pray for each other. We're so encouraging. But this generation has real problems, real tangible problems aimed at them. They don't need a church where there's older people hovering over them. But let's focus on this faith of this generation Z or Z. If you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, um, it talks about a prayer, if you will, if you were to read this prayer, it's, it's very beautiful. It's a moving prayer. You feel like as if you're moving right into heaven as you read it. Ephesians uh, 3, starting from verse 14, it's obvious, and it begins with this. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And the second clue we have that this prayer is just a few verses in front of this when we read in verse 11, if you look ahead, it says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized Christ Jesus our Lord. 
In verse 12, it says, in whom we have boldness, this boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Specifically, I want to challenge you to pray this specific prayer as a model for a child, a teenager, a young person in your life, okay? Would you join me as we adopt this Ephesians chapter 3 as a model of prayer for that one person in our church next gen to have this spiritual breakthrough in their lives? Let's unite together to call out in God this tremendous passion that this next generation will have a spiritual passion that is hungry, that is hungry for God. Wouldn't we want that for this next generation? Wouldn't you want to leave that legacy to your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your nephew and nieces? I would. I definitely would. What we see in this passage is a prayer of power. One of the first things you notice is this beautiful prayer. There's a prayer of power. It says in Ephesians 16, uh, chapter 3, it says, According to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. I'll be highlighting this verse quite often. And I want us to focus on this to see that we have this power to pray. This is a prayer to know God more intimately. And as you read it and reread it, notice fully, carefully what you don't see, a focus that is spiritual. Remember, the one who's writing this prayer is in prison. It's Paul. Now, if you were to listen to a prison's prayer, what would you expect to hear from him? Maybe you would hear him prayer for his safety. Maybe you might expect to hear prayer to deliver his family from the pain of that embarrassment that he's in prison. Or you might expect a prayer to deliver him out of the bars of this prison cell. Notice that this prayer puts the spiritual before the physical. You know, it's always like that. The Bible always places your spiritual health before your physical health. We are always doing the opposite. We nearly always talk about the physical problems, the money problems, marriage problems, relationship problems, health problems. You know, the Bible is just the reverse. Here we have a prayer that's exclusively spiritual. Why? You know, heaven determines what happens on earth. Remember this. The spirit, spiritual always determines what happens in the physical. If you're going to pray and really pray, then you must prioritize the spiritual over the physical. You know, spiritual warfare is very real. And no wonder Paul talks about this in Ephesians. In the last chapter, he talks about the armor of God because he's emphasizing that there is something happening in the spiritual realm, and we need to put the armor of God. And there's a purpose for that. Why do we need this power? We need this power to overcome evil. Like I said, we pray for power because some problems are unfixable without prayer. We don't see it. Like I said before, for this reason, he says he bows his knee before the Father for whom family in heaven on earth is named. Those three little words, for this reason, are pointing back to the early chapter 3 in Ephesians. It says it is a prayer to experience God's inner power so that we don't lose heart. 
It's so easy to be discouraged when you don't do anything, or when you do everything for God, you know? Then we see nothing less than the power of God reuniting us. You know, Paul in this passage, he has gone great lengths to explain that God has created a third race, if you will, if you put it that way. Not Jew, not Gentile, but the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We are all the family of the redeemed. Some of our family have already graduated into heaven and is with the Lord. While others are here, all of us are here still you know, going through life. Hmm. You know, never think of yourself in terms of your race first. You know, never think of yourself in terms of your class first, or foremost, even your generation first. I see this happen many times, and there's conflict. Whether you're a baby boomer, a Gen X, a millennial, a Gen Z, and eventually a Gen A that's going to come. It's so confusing. Who's keeping track of all this? There's people who actually keep track of this. Think of yourself as a child of God with many brothers and sisters in Christ living in one roof with different cultures, different generations. Let me say that again. Think of yourself as first as a child of God with many brothers and sisters regardless of culture, regardless of generation, living under God's house. You are the child of God in God's family, young and old. So it's a prayer of spiritual power to accomplish all of God's purposes in our lives. There's a power there. And we need nothing less than the power of God inside of us to accomplish this kind of thing. We need his power. And we pray for this inner spiritual horsepower to kick us so that we can overcome the power of uh, the problem of evil that overwhelms us in life. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray to the Father who would deliver us from evil. Remember that prayer in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6? We see that prayer that Jesus instructs. He said, that's a sin-killing power. That's a sin-stopping power. Power. That's a chain-breaking power. You know, power to experience Christ's presence too. And that's the thing that we see here in the power of prayer, this supernatural power to fully experience God. If you look at me at this passage again in verse 16 and 17, it says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. And he goes on in verse seven, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. The odd thing is that Paul is praying for things that he already said we possess. Why would he do that? Imagine if I was sitting down at a beautiful table, set table. It's a beautiful dinner with all the fixings. And, and I ask you to pass a knife, yet you look at me, you're like, I already have a knife. Why would you ask any anyone the same thing that you already have. You know, in one sense, Christ is already living inside you as a believer in Christ. The Bible says if you are a believer, that Christ has come to already dwell inside of you. 
In fact, if you don't have the spirit or Christ inside of you, then maybe there's something that you really need to dig deeper in your life. So why ask what you already have? You know, there's an extraordinary power that's available to us. We don't realize it. A power that is, you know, accomplished far more than we ordinarily can think or imagine. Paul is basically, he's layering up the terms of power in this portion of Scripture in Ephesians. He prays that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through the spirit of your inner being. And if you go on to verse 20, he says that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. This power comes from the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the power that is according to the riches of God's glory. It is the fullness of God that is unimaginable as it sounds. You know, that's Christ. He, he, he makes his power, power available to you. It's like if you were to give me fingers like Mozart, I have no issue playing a tune for you on the piano. If you gave me legs like uh, Lino, Lionel Messi, there's no ball that I can kick and score a goal. If you give me legs like Michael Jordan, there's no, there's a dunk, I can dunk a ball, no problem. If you give me a mind like Einstein, there's no mathematical equation I cannot solve. There's a power to prayer. There's a power to prayer. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So there's a power to prayer. There's also a prayer that's for everyone that we see in this passage. Let me encourage you to adopt this prayer. A challenge is to personalize this prayer specifically for you. Historically, Christians have used the word pray for others as a word for intercession, right? To pray for one another, to intercede for one another on their behalf. We use that term. You know, Paul is encouraging us to pray this way, and he also encourages us not to lose heart for what I'm suffering. He says that in verse 13 to 14. He says, I ask you to not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. You know, it's easy for us to lose heart. He says, because you, we have a tendency to lose heart and get discouraged. And he says, he drops his knees. So let me encourage you for a moment this morning. You know, Jesus, he intercedes for the next generation, for the Gen Z's for the millennials, if you want to put it that way, too. Jesus, he intercedes for the next gen. Life is tough. We all know that. And we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. And you need to know you have a running head start before you pray. Did you know first, the Bible says the Lord Jesus is praying for you? Did you guys know that? The Lord Jesus Christ is praying for you. Did you know that Jesus is in heaven and he's praying for you right now? Did you know that? The Bible tells us that Jesus intercedes for us. He says that in Hebrews 7, 25. It says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. 
I want you guys this morning to elbow the person next to you and say, did you know that Jesus is praying for you? Elbow the next person next to you. Jesus is praying for you. He is. Isn't that great news? It, it's, that's, it's that encouraging. Jesus is praying for you. So you have a running head start that the Lord Jesus is already praying for that child, that teenager, that young person in your life. Can you picture that for a moment and see that he's doing that for you right now, this very moment, and he always has been. You know, the spirit also, he intercedes for you specifically, and it gets even better than that. Yeah, he intercedes for you. If you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Paul says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray or for what we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groaning too deep for words. So the Spirit prays for us. The Holy Spirit is already praying for that teenager, that child, that young person in your life. The Holy Spirit is already praying for that child, teenager, young person in your life. According in a survey, the Generation Z, their goals were um, focus primarily on professional success. They like to be successful, have security, okay? And in this study, most Gen Z indicate that their ultimate goal in life is to be happy. They want to be happy, okay? You're probably wondering, your kids right now, it's like, I just want to be happy, mom and dad. That's all I want. Or your nephew and niece, I just want to be happy, uncle, auntie. You know, personal achievement was one of the common things for the Gen Z's identity more than family and religion, believe it or not. Maybe the spirit is praying something like this to your child or your teen or young person right now. He's maybe saying, Father, this is what Noah thinks he needs, but Father, this is what Noah really needs. And Father, even his prayer is wrong. Lord, don't give him what he wants, but give him what he needs. And this is what he really needs. Maybe that's the prayer you've been praying. You know, often God works as two lumberjacks who came to a forest one day. They were about to cut down the tree. They look up at the tree and they notice there were two birds beginning to make a nest on one of the trees. So they took the flat part of the axe and kind of hit the tree really, really hard to shake it. The entire tree shook while the birds were up on top of their heads, rattling around, and finally the birds moved away to the next tree. But the tree lumberjacks didn't want them to stop there. So the tree was going to come down too, so they hit the other tree, and they rattled the poor birds' heads were rattling again. So they moved to the next tree, and they continued to move and move until the birds built their nest on a rock. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't you see the things that have been happening in your life that perhaps you may have been pretty angry at God for? What is he saying to you? The tree is coming down. This thing you're building on your life, this thing you say you must have to be happy, don't you realize that you'll never be free? 
You'll never be free from the ups and downs. You'll never have this lasting, infallible, unsellable certainty that joy until you build your nest in some tree that it's not coming down. Sometimes I'm like that, and it's tough. Again, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for the next gen. Will you intercede for this generation? Will you pray for them? You know, fathers, what, do you, what if you adopt this prayer for your daughters or vice versa? Mothers, if you were to insert your son's name into this prayer or this passage? What if you pulled out the pronouns in verse 13 to 21 and put the names of someone of the next generation there? Let me show you how this can be done. And I'm going to use the name John as something that we can put in this passage. So if you guys can have your Bibles to verse 14 to 21, I just want to read and how this might work. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father for whom John is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant John to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in John's inner being, so that Christ may dwell in John's heart through faith, that John might be rooted and grounded in love, may have strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that John may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask and think according to the power of work within John, to him be the glory to the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You just plug and play. You can take a step further by personalizing those words. Something practical for us to use throughout this week. You know, we have around 30 teens, as I said before, 25 plus kids, even more young adults as well. There, there are at least 70, if not more, next generation young people to choose from here at Summit. Um, there's probably more. What if you adopt one of these young men and women and to pray for the spiritual breakthrough in their lives? Wouldn't that be great? What if you dropped to your knees and on your knees humbled, pleading with God to move one young next generation son and daughter to be, have this intimate experience with God? Pray their minds would think through the Christ faith. There was one mother that said to me about her teenager's son. She said, I consider it a particularly positive sign when my teenage son is raising theological questions. And that, that was something encouraging to me. And it's, it's far more better than having disinterest in something that's else different. But that curiosity is key. We see that it is encouraging. So we see here that there's a power in prayer through the Spirit. We see that a prayer that intercedes for this next gen, a prayer for everyone. And lastly, this is the prayer for your inner life that we see in this passage in Ephesians, your inner spiritual life, your inner being. I want to read this verse again in verse 16, Ephesians 3. 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You know, your great need is not physical strength on the outside. What the Bible calls is the outer person or being. Your great need is spiritual strength on the inside. And we all need that. What the Bible calls this is, you know, it's, we say to ourselves, so many, there's so many prayers about this, like from Christians, Lord, heal me, heal my heart, heal my lungs, heal my knees. And there's something wrong with us when we do that, and we pray, oh God, heal me and fix this and fix that, but how many people are saying, you know, I just don't believe my neighbor is as strong spiritually as he ought to be. I don't believe that my granddaughter is up to spiritual stuff. God strengthened him and her with the might of the inner person, inner strength, inner being. Father, clothe her, clothe him with the power that's inside. And this is where our prayer needs to be focused. Don't tell me that there weren't a lot of people in the Ephesians church that were sick. Paul never mentioned them by name. I'm not saying that we ought not to pray for the sick, but what I'm saying here is that the weight of our prayers ought to be for spiritual strength. When he prays, Paul never says anything about the outward circumstances. He doesn't say, oh, Lord, protect them. He doesn't say, oh, Lord, get me out of prison so that I can encourage them. He doesn't say, oh, Lord, heal them from all their sickness. You know, he makes no reference of that at all. Why not? Instead, he does say, I want them to be strengthened by your might in their inner being. In Ephesians 17, as we move forward a little bit, it talks about faith that dwells. It says, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You know, the term dwell means to be at home, if you were to translate it in Greek. Not just live in our hearts, but to settle down to be at home. Here in the middle of verse 17, it's, it's, it's sort of like a plea that God would really take over ourselves. A prayer to God to be this undisputed owner of your heart and life. You know, where God is not just a renter in your life or a tenant, he has to have complete control of your life. Imagine if you were to come to my house and I lie to you when I say, make yourself at home. I know we all say that sometimes, make yourself at home. Yet I don't want you to leave the living room and make your way to my bedroom, right? And you go through my closet and you're like, oh my goodness, Ann, what do you have in there? I don't want you to meddle around my house, but the truth is the rest of the house is a mess. I don't know about you, when we have guests over, you might throw your stuff in the room and let's hide it and make sure the living room kitchen's nice and all that place. You know, I threw all the junk in the living room into my bedroom, and there's nothing but chaos in my closet all over the place, and I want you to stay in my living room because I want you to have a certain impression of me. A lot of us have done that with Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives. We have this one room, we have given him access, but no more. It's the Sunday morning church room. And Jesus is to stay in that room only. 
And the problem is Jesus wants access to all our rooms in our house. He wants to clean up every room in our house. Don't hide rooms from the Son of God, because he'll be there. Instead, invite him so that he can clean up every room in your life. You know, what he is calling for a deeper experience with Christ, and we must trust God to move into the rooms of our lives. In some rooms, Christ might go to the library where he finds your mind thinking about trash, garbage. But he wants to go in that room and replace it with God's word. You know, some rooms are dining rooms where we find inappropriate appetites that we eat that are not healthy for our bodies. He wants to replace that with the fruit of the spirit. Some rooms are that he wants to go in is the workroom, the office, but they're full of toys that distract us from him. Or he wants to replace it with productivity. What he wants to do is to access to all our life so that he can totally come into our lives. You know, God can move mountains. And prayer moves God. Prayer does change things. All kinds of things. But the most important thing he changes is us. Prayer is powerful because prayer connects us to this ultimate source of power. And when we pray for difficult situations, you know a miracle, a miracle can happen. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is for intercede for everybody. Prayer for our inner being. When I was younger, my mom told me a thing. She told me that she's been praying for me for every day since I was born. I was like, really, Mom? You've been praying for me ever since I was born? That's a long time. And she says, I've been praying for you to accept God in your life and to become a pastor. So when I was 12 and when I accepted Christ, I decided to commit my life to follow God and to serve him at the age of 12. And my mom said, I've been praying for you for those 12 years. And when I look back through that powerful prayer as she interceded for me, because of her inner being, she felt... God prompting her to pray, and she prayed constantly every morning, 5.30. And as she prayed, she felt God's presence in her life that was so fruitful that, you know, that's, you know, how God works. It's, it's such amazing. It's hard to explain what she went through, but she prayed for that for me and accepted Christ and became where I'm here today. You know, prayer is powerful. And as we revitalize this next generation, prayer is key. We need to pray by name. That specific prayer for that specific person, either a child, a teenager, or a young person, or a son and daughter, granddaughters, grandson, great-great-grandson, if, if, I don't know, but pray. It's not that hard. And as we go through prayer and fasting this month, and particularly this week, as we do our prayer after school at 3.30 to 4.30, why not pray for a, ch for a next-gen person by name? One or two, three or 10, 50, 70? Why not? Prayer is powerful. Intercede for someone because you start to see something happen inside your life as well. So let's pray. I just want to spend time in silence just 
between you and God. Maybe there's a particular person, uh, a young person in your life that you feel like you want to bring prayer for. And the prayer that I mentioned through that passage, you can just plug and play and just change it and just pray. What is that one person that God has put in your heart to pray? It could be your, your, your child or children, a teenager, a young person here at Summit. Who is that? I want us to think about that and hear God touches your heart and how he prompts you to do that. So just have a time just to think and pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for prompting our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Um, as we think of that specific name, our names, um, whether that's here at Summit for the Next Gen Ministries, and if that specific child or teenager or young person, Lord, we want to lift it up to you. This is the next generation, Lord, and um, we can't live as if you know, things are going unnoticed, but we know that you, you love everybody. And you love your children as well. And so, Lord, as we lift up these prayers to you, uh, Lord, may we continue to, to pray these prayers specifically uh, for the next gen. Let it not be something we do today, but throughout this week and the weeks to come and months and the rest of our lives, Lord, as we continue to lift these prayers in your name. And so, Lord, may you challenge us, Lord, convict us, and to show us the purpose of this, Lord, as we have this power, this gift of prayer that we can use through your spirit that, it, that is there to help us to go and pray. And also the spirit as it intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray, but you, you're there to remind us the things that we should pray as well. And so, Lord, let us pray for everyone. Let us, through that, that we'll be able to see that our inner being will be refreshed in you because of that. We'll start to see things in our lives that is... Um, powerful, impactful, and so, Lord, let's not lose heart of that as we pray and fast during this month. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here, and I, I pray that you would continue to show them of your love and your grace through the means of prayer, it's particularly our next generation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>